morning, everyone. Morning. Probably a well-kept secret, at least when I move among my North Carolina friends who I went to high school with, was that I was born in Miami, Florida. Back in the 60s, that was not a popular thing to concede, especially in the small town of Asheville. Hmm. I remember when I was living in Miami, Florida, going to a large junior high school, getting off the bus and heading to my home room. I was about 13 years old. And I went to the homeroom class and, you know, the intercom came on and the principal made an announcement. He said, on this special day, we're going to all gather in the school auditorium as a, as a whole school. And I will tell you why we are doing that when you arrive. We were all mystified. We all made our way quietly, which was unusual for junior high kids, with the anticipation of something that uh, we didn't even have a clue what it was. It was a mystery to us. So we went into the auditorium, and there in the auditorium, uh, in that great spanse of auditorium, were television sets, all posted around in different sections of the auditorium. We sat down as homeroom uh, kids, the principal then walked up on the stage. So now I want you to remain quiet. And so he then turned on, had all the television sets turned on. There on the screen was a picture of Miami Beach and hundreds of people it looked like walking down the strand with binoculars looking to the heavens. Then the television photographer switched to Cape Canaveral. 200 miles north up the Atlantic coast, there was another image that was being portrayed. It was Alan Shepard. was Mercury 7. There in that moment, as we observed as high, junior high school children, 13, 14 years old, was the explosion that took place after they counted down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And the rocket took off with Alan Shepard in the capsule. 15 minutes of silence. We were all enwrapped. Then the Mercury 7 rocket capsule splashed down the ocean. If you're old enough to remember that particular moment, almost 60 years ago this month, it was that glad occasion when Alan Shepard was retrieved from the capsule and embraced by naval personnel on the aircraft carrier. Without provocation, I remember hundreds of junior high children breaking out into adoration, unplanned joy, excitement. Our imagination had been piqued. For the first time, we recognized that there was something beyond ourselves, 
beyond the realm of our understanding. I don't want to tell you that science and math became exciting to me after that, but it seemed a little more relevant. For the first time, my imagination moved beyond my original vocation. Maybe I want to be a race car driver, or maybe I want to be a policeman or a rock star. For the first time, my imagination had expanded. I wanted to be an astronaut. I think that occasion, that experience, some 60 years ago, created for me a new world and a new way to think. Now, I believe 2,000 years ago, when that small band of disciples met together at Bethany and Mount Olives. They were reminded of lots of things before he ascended. It was probably, and in my own thoughts, the very place that Jesus oftentimes went to pray. Place where he also observed Jerusalem and wept because they did not understand the reality of the kingdom of God in an expansive way. They still, and and the question they offered Jesus before he ascended is a clue, that they thought that the kingdom of God was all about themselves, their own narrow view of the kingdom, which was all about Israel and the past. I'm sure they must have been experiencing a form of separation anxiety. As they watched Jesus ascend, as the cloud enveloped him, and he ascended into heaven, they saw that the Bible says that they were gazing into the heavens, pondering an unanswered question about the kind of a faraway look that maybe children offer when their parents leave them off at school for the very first time. Watching their car pull away, their security leaving them. Or maybe a soldier who gets on a bus and waves at his parents or his wife as he heads off to basic training. A feeling of separation and loss with few questions answered, especially about settling the kingdom is in the mind of the disciples. I share that because I believe that we still have within our own hearts ponderings about what Jesus' purpose is for our life and for the kingdom. We recognize that God has called us to a life of kingdom building, the kind that he lived out prior to his death and his resurrection and his ascension. Even now, people question, what is God up to in the midst of this crisis that we're in? What's the answer and what are the clues that God could 
could offer us. As Jesus seemed so far away in a place called heaven, I have three words that have come to my own mind as I think about ascension. The first one is the word coronation because truthfully ascension, the story of ascension isn't really all about us. It's about a wonderful coronation day for Jesus. I look at it as God waiting with faded holy breath for his son to make his way back home. Philippians chapter 2, as we just read, gives us an image of how God left that which was that which he knew with all the power and quality with God and incarnated himself and came to this world to walk among us to live among us. Through the limits of time and space, suffering and pain and disappointment, the kinds of things that we experience, Jesus perfectly modeled for us what it means to be fully human and to walk with God. In the midst of that experience, he suffered death, crucifixion as a result of sin, and then the joy of the resurrection. And then 40 days of, I think, of reuniting with people, as many as 500 were told in the scriptures, to give them hope beyond their own limits of time and space. The coronation of Jesus is all about the ascension. It is a place where Jesus made his way home and now sits at the right hand of the Father and lives forever to intercede for us. And he's not away from us, but he is also there with the Father. And what's going on in heaven, at the kingdom of heaven? I love to read Revelation 21, when it says there's no more pain, no more death, no more suffering in that place. So we have a hope. The coronation reminds us there is a place that God has gone to prepare for each of us. So we work our way next to the next word. As Jesus ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God, we now, and I want to use, this sounds very Baptist, another C word, commencement. It is our time to commence. To commence living out the mission, that's what Jesus left them with. I left them with a purpose, and they were to commence doing that purpose. Being the resurrection people that God had called them to be in the world, making peace, practicing justice and mercy, exhibiting fully that which God had given to us, loving others as we have also been loved by him. So it's a matter of recognizing we have a purpose. Sometimes we lose sight of that purpose, maybe through prayerlessness or lack of practice and worship. Sometimes we have our own pet things that we like to do. That becomes our purpose. Some of you may know that I love to play the guitar. I love to learn new songs. 
I'm a sentimentalist of some sorts. My wife, Frances, whom some of you know, reminds me that oftentimes I'm stuck in the 50s. I'm like Ronnie Millsap, lost in the 50s. When things get hard and there seems to be confusion, I like to go back to the 50s, the happy days, so to speak. My wife says I got musical Tourette's. <laughs> what that means is uh, it's a syndrome where when something is coming up, like a word is offered, I always have a song I can remember and hum it. I, it's a bad habit. I wish sometimes that I had kingdom Tourette's, that I could see things through God's eyes more perfectly and practice my faith more fully. And especially in these days, don't you agree that God really, we, when we've been distanced from so many people in worship, how we want to be together, God has made us missionaries. We're in our homes. We're in our neighborhoods. And we're able to practice what it means to be the people of God. To share the witness that Jesus called us to say. That's what Acts chapter 1 speaks about. Be witnesses where we are. Witnesses that share the good news of Jesus Christ. Not on our own, though. He tells us that I will endue you with power if we wait. He'll give us the Holy Spirit. I like what this church in its mission statement talks about, the imagination of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful that we have, just like my own imagination was peaked at the time I saw Alan Shepard ascending that rocket ship to say, that God has given us a marvelous vision as a church. And I love our name, Providence. God in control. Moving us along through the empowerment of his promised Holy Spirit. It holds us. It buoys us. It empowers us. God in his Holy Spirit. A gift from God. He says, if I go to the Father, I send you another. I send you a helper. Does anyone out there in the virtual world need help with anything today? I do. I need help. I need a lot of help. There are people around us that need help. There are people out there who have told me, I haven't had, since my husband's died, I haven't had someone hug me in a long time. The loss of a hug, the loss of contact, the loss of mental health, the loss of work, hope. Have you ever known of a more opportune time to be God's providential people than right now? I'm reminded that yesterday, James Garrison told me it was one, four, three day. Raise your hand if you know what that means. One, four, three day. In Pennsylvania, yesterday, they celebrated one, four, three day, which means I love you. 
know the person that made that famous and how many of us wish we had a Mr. Rogers in our neighborhood. Did you know that Mr. Rogers, when he was growing up, was always anxious about something, very frightened, frightened young boy. And what I know about Mr. Rogers is, is that Mr. Rogers had a, a mom that would often remind him of something. He would, you may have heard this quote before. Mr. Rogers' mom, when she would detect in Fred, her son, anxiety, she would say to him, and I quote, when I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. That's really us, isn't it? We're the helpers. But we also have a helper. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to each of us is also called not only the advocate, comforter, help I don't know everything there is to know about some of the things that affect my life I need help and the joy of the Holy Spirit is to remind us it's not without purpose it's to remind us that there is a God in heaven in control who's not surprised by any of human circumstances that we think we face our Lord knows what we need. And just like Mr. Rogers says, there's look for the helper. We already have one in the form of the Holy Spirit who has come to each of us. And I'm also reminded that of another word, consummation. For Jesus says, after he ascended, the angels turned to those who were looking into heaven and said, why do you keep looking at heaven? For he will return. He will return. Just as you saw him go. Everywhere in the New Testament, there was this, how we call it, eschatological hope. That Jesus is in control. God's in control. And one day we'll return. I hope that each of you know that I don't spend my days calculating when this is going to happen. <laughs> but we, like with the Nicene Creed say, and the Apostles' Creed say, he is at the right hand of Father Almighty from whence he shall come. I pause on that. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I like the way Paul says it. I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those of us who love him. I am just hopefully human enough and humble enough to say, that I know that I don't have all the answers, 
and I'm not the hope of the world. The hope of the world is the one who's been coronated. Who has told us through the power of the Holy Spirit, commence your work and be a helper. I send you a helper. And one day, when you have no more strength, wisdom, or imagination, I will come and help you on earth as it was in heaven. One day a little boy was asked in Sunday school, what are the names of the first and last books of the Bible? The little boy said, I know the first one of the first book of the Bible is named Genesis. And the last book of the Bible is named Revolutions. My friend, the last word of God is revolution. A kingdom revolution that began in the mind of God, incarnated in Jesus, who is now resurrected and ascended, commencing us to work, commending us to work, until the great revolution returns through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.